Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer here. Dan Plucker, executive producer over there. It's going to be a fun uh, show today. I don't believe I've ever talked to this dude that Dan Plucker uh, booked for the show. Seen him on Twitter. I don't think we've ever had him on. We've never had him on the Wendy's Big Show either. Have we, Plucker? I don't think. Trevor Sakema uh, will join us uh, coming up uh, in about 15 minutes. He's, of course, with uh, Pro Football Focus. Uh, and the reason we're getting him on is not only uh, to talk football and talk college football and all that fun stuff, but he did a great piece on Pro Football Focus uh, talking about uh, the Badgers uh, yesterday. Uh, and got a lot of play. It was a really good piece talking about death row, right? Sanborn uh, and uh, Leo Chanel. Uh, and you remember uh, who had it? Was it Sanborn or Chanel that had death row written down their one arm in black ink uh, this weekend for the Badgers? I think it was, maybe it was, I think it was Sanborn. I uh, had death row and like black ink, like took a pen and wrote it down his one arm. I think it would have been his right arm arm when you're watching on TV. I think it was his right arm. Either way. Uh, and he goes in to explain all of that. Uh, so we'll talk with uh, Trevor Sakema coming up. Also, uh, our guy, Don Wachillis from the Journey House College Sports Show uh, coming up tonight here on The Fan from 6 until 8 o'clock. Get his thoughts on the WEAC Awards that, that came out where Whitewater uh, just dominated uh, the award today. Plus, get his thoughts on Badgers and Nebraska uh, coming up this weekend as well. So looking forward to that. I'm going to start off talking about something that just happened uh, towards the end of the big show. I don't know if Dan Plucker uh, saw this or not, uh, but I definitely want to get Dan Plucker's thoughts on this and yours as well if you want to uh, dial it up or uh, tweet in once you hear what I have to say. So Rob Manfred uh, must have been talking to the media or somebody, uh, and this quote is flying all over the place right now as of a half hour or so ago. Rob Manfred, commissioner of Major League Baseball, who many people don't like, right? Not from the aspect of, I don't like the dude because he's a jerk, not like that, but people don't like because of 
the way he thinks, his ideas, what he wants to do to the game. Uh, see our afternoon shows, Robbie Makoff can't stand uh, Rob Manfred. But this here uh, quote is interesting because this CBA that they have, Major League Baseball and the Players Association, this thing runs out as of December 1st. That's when this is done. So we're running out of time if you're going to avoid some type of labor's stoppage. That's why you're seeing some guys signing right away and not letting this thing play out. See Verlander, uh, who uh, is doing a one-year, what, $25 million deal with the Astros to come back, which seems like lunacy to me coming off of his injury, but either way. Um, so they're bringing him back. So guys are hurrying up trying to get deals done here. You've seen numerous pitchers already sign and trying to get their contracts underway because you don't know how everything's going to change once this new CBA comes out as far as will they get a hard salary cap? I doubt it. I hope they do, but I doubt it happens. Uh, will there be a salary cap floor that's uh, put in place? Major League Baseball desperately needs a salary cap floor. Uh, will that get put in place? Now, if that gets put gets put in place, that's beneficial to the players' union because that means more guys are going to make more money. Uh, so that would be good if that were to occur. And what other changes may occur? The fear, I feel like, from media and from a majority of baseball fans right now is because they're so far apart and at such odds are the players' union and the owners that they may end up missing the start of the season. Maybe they miss the whole season. Who knows how long this may go on? And the thought was, boy, just please, can we get this done by December 1st? Nobody thought it was going to get done before December 1st. And we're not there yet, but we're getting closer. With all that being said, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred, quote, an offseason lockout that moves the process forward is different than a labor dispute that costs games. End quote, Rob Manfred. Can we dissect that, please? Conversation about that quote. An offseason lockout that moves the process forward is different than a labor dispute that costs games. My, my first word of advice to Rob Manfred would be, if you lock out, that's what this is going to be. You can't guarantee when you're going back in. You can't. You can't guarantee if and when you're going to play games or not. He makes it sound like with this statement that, okay, fine. So we won't have the offseason like we normally have. And yeah, fine. Maybe it'll be a shortened offseason. But we'll get this done and it'll be better for the game of baseball. We're not going to lose games. I think he's delusional, to be honest with you, to a certain degree, on how this whole thing works. He's been a part of the baseball front office for major leagues forever. So it's not like he hasn't been through this before in one form or, or another, not as a commissioner, but he's been through it. He knows how it works. Once you get into this and you stop everything that's happening, so there's going to be no free agency, none of this stuff, nobody making trades, all of that gets slowed down and shut down. And then you have these conversations. Now, first of all, they're not going to be having conversation seven days a week. No chance. There's no chance that they're going to be face-to-face seven days a week. There's probably no chance they're going to be face-to-face more than a couple of times a week going forward. If this thing drags out two, 
three, four months, there will not be that many face-to-face meetings in all of this. They'll have their first face-to-face meeting. They'll exchange ideas or whatever or where they're at. And then they'll both go back to their party lines to see where everybody wants to move. They'll get back together again in a couple of weeks and situate and talk and negotiate and so forth. Take back what's said to their people. And this is how the whole process works. This is not going to get done over a cup of coffee when you decide as commissioner of baseball that everything's okay now. Okay, well, spring training should be starting here in February, early March. Guys, let's get back to playing some baseball. So just sign here and we'll call it a day. Thanks for playing. Ain't happening. I, there's just no way. They, now, again, Major League Baseball players before have had history of, you know, costing a season, season and a half, as have the owners when Bud Selig was the commissioner and Donald Fear was the head of the players' union, and really holding out hope. If you compare their players' union to, say, the NBA or the NFL, I think the players' union of Major League Baseball far better than the NFL or NBA. In my opinion, if after having watched labor negotiations of CBAs over 30, 40 years, I think of all of them, the one that does the best for themselves usually is the MLB. And I think the one that has done the worst along the lines has been the NFL by far. Their Players Association has been horrible for a long time. Just horrible. It doesn't even matter who's running it. Because one person runs it, and everybody goes, oh, he's horrible. He's in the commissioner's pocket. And then he gets out, another dude comes in. And the same thing happens. And you have the same conversation. Like, they seemingly have no chance in their conversations uh, with the commissioner of the NFL and the owners. They lose every time. Baseball players have done a much better job. Baseball players have not had salary cap. They have not been hard salary capped. They do not have salaries set in place like max deals like the NBA does. They have never come to to that uh, from to that standpoint either. They're not locked into certain contracts uh, for their rookie deals or anything of the sort, uh, like after their first contract. Now, the arbitration process, you could say you like or don't like. I don't like, but that's been in place a long time. But even in that situation, we talked about with John Heyman earlier, Odyssey MLB Insider, the agents feel like they still have a say and can negotiate for more money and have a chance to make more money for their player at the end. That process really doesn't occur in the other sports. Plus, like the NBA, they have guaranteed contracts, which the NFL does not, which the NFL of anybody deserves guaranteed contracts considering they all could be hurt uh, in one way or another and be done at any moment in time in a football game is absolutely ridiculous. If you want to talk about who should and shouldn't have guaranteed contracts, the NFL should, and the NBA and MLB probably shouldn't if we're looking to have somebody to not have guaranteed contracts. I just think Rob Manfred's losing his mind on this one. I just don't think it's going to be as easy. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe they won't lose games. Maybe they'll start the season on time. They'll have a full spring training, and everything will work itself out. I just... I don't have much faith in this whatsoever, especially after seeing that quote from Rod Manford today, who again said, quote, an offseason lockout that moves the process forward is different than a labor dispute that costs games. I just don't think you can put that together in a sentence uh, and really honestly believe that to be true. Because once you're in the lockout, there's no guarantee of when you're getting out, unless you convince the owners to sacrifice everything they don't want to give up to make the players happy. It's the only way you can guarantee that it's going to end, because you're not going to convince the players to give up everything they want just to play a game. That's not happening. 
How did you read that quote, Dan Plucker? You're a big baseball guy, too. Yeah, I was surprised by it. I mean, if we're being honest here, I can't see how this gets resolved that quickly. Nope. I really don't. I, I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand the quote at all. Like, I wish I could see what the follow-up was to that. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see what what was the follow-up. So he makes that statement. What's the follow-up question? Because the follow-up question simply should have been, Commissioner, how can you guarantee you're going to be able to get out of this when you want to get out of it to save from losing games? Like, how can you guarantee that? You can't control what the players do, and the owners control you. So from that perspective, I don't understand how you can guarantee that we're not going to lose games because that's pretty much what he said in that statement. Yeah, I mean, this happens with so many leagues across time and especially with baseball it's just been an awful issue every single time one of these comes up i mean do we remember the last time that the cba was up and they didn't miss games has that ever happened like it it's it seems like you go back and you go back and it just happens no every single time one of the cbas comes up that baseball misses games the nfl usually figures things out sometimes the nba does as well the nba has also had their issues as well as the nhl as well i don't think the mlb every single time they miss games nope i don't think they miss the last time i don't think they've missed the last couple of times i don't when was the last time they've missed games wasn't it with bud i think the last labor stoppage was with bud i don't i don't think they've missed games since then but again i'm old and forget things um so i very well may not be remembering this all correctly but that to me i don't think they've missed games in a while plucker's looking it up right now googling it to see when the last time they had a labor stoppage was i don't think it's happened since Bud. I don't. I think they've been able to play through. And part of the reason they've been able to play through is I think everybody realized to this point that, man, oh, man, don't screw with this. You, you're not going to be guaranteed to necessarily get everybody back at the end of the day. Now, I think you'll be able to get everybody back at the end of the day, uh, regardless if you have a labor stoppage or not. B- baseball is going to draw people regardless. It's going to draw families. It's going to draw kids. It's going to draw college kids because of the tailgating aspect and everything else that goes along with it. So, Regardless if they miss games or not, I still think that fan base eventually comes back. It may take a year or two, but eventually they will come back. Now, you can't be missing like two or three years, which I don't think will happen. Uh, but they can miss a month or two, and I think everything will be fine uh, at the end of the day. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, our first guest of the show, Don Wachillis, uh, will be coming up uh, as well. He's going to join us uh, coming up at about uh, 2.30, 2.35. But first, Trevor Sakema uh, of Pro Football Focus. Talk about his piece that he wrote for Pro Football Focus uh, on the Badger linebackers and their death row nickname. That's next on Sparky's Midday Madness. Welcome in Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The Fan. Live from the Lakeland University studios, the leader in online education for more than 25 years, lakeland.edu. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Executive producer Dan Plucker, other side of the glass. Rami's show comes up uh, from 3 until 6 this afternoon. Rami Makloff will be in here. Looking forward to hearing what he's got going on today on his show. Right now joining us, I believe for the first time, Trevor Sikahema from Pro Football Focus on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Trevor, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I I saw uh, on Twitter uh, your piece that you did for Pro Football Focus uh, on the Badgers, that's what uh, caught my eye, and the death row nickname uh, for the linebackers. Tell us how that whole piece came about and how the whole thing played out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you how the piece came about. Uh, Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel, the linebackers there at Wisconsin, they're having an unbelievable year. They are two of the top 
10 graded inside linebackers that we have in all of the FBS here at Pro Football Focus. And so uh, it really caught my eye that we had two of those guys in the top 10, that we had a linebacker duo coming from the same team. And, you know, of course, the noise that Wisconsin's been making, not only climbing the college football playoff rankings, but on the big win streak that they have here after starting the season, well, let's just say not in an ideal way. So I uh, wanted to see if I could get down and sit down with both those guys, and I was able to. And thankfully, I was able to get them uh, both at the same time because – they're very comfortable with each other. You could tell the bond that they have. Uh, they were joking around. They were talking about, you know, some, some stories in practice and games and everything like that. And, you know, the death row nickname for the inside linebackers of Wisconsin is something that when I was researching those two guys for the interview, I actually had found a, a couple of outlets had heard of that before. And that's because it, it didn't start with these two guys. They have this nickname that they hold right now for the inside linebackers of Wisconsin. They call themselves death row, but... They're not the first one to do it. They talked about uh, Ryan Conley and TJ Edwards and, and Jack Sitchie and Chris Orr and linebackers from Wisconsin of the past who were the ones who kind of started that nickname for the group, and it's all been something that they've been able to carry on. So those two guys are leading it this year, and they're doing it in an incredible way. It was awesome to sit down with those guys, and obviously you got to love the badass nickname. You know, you're sitting there, you're the heart of the defense, the middle of the defense, and you got a, a title like Death Row. Uh, I mean, that, that, was, that was just something that really – stood out to me that was a lot of fun to learn about and a lot of fun to uh, sit down and get to know these guys even better. Yeah, great piece to read over at Pro Football Focus. What about this Badgers defense and the job Jim Leonard has done as defensive coordinator? You know, the Packers, uh, they had talked to and interviewed him for their defensive coordinator position before eventually ending up with Joe Barry, and apparently uh, at the end of the day, he decided he didn't want to make that move to the NFL and, and move his family to Green Bay and go through that whole process, deciding to stay in Madison, but I think most people around the state are fearful of that day when we find out he's living to be a head coach somewhere because he seems to be just that good. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the fear should be real because, you know, I mean, there's no doubt about it that he is great at what he does. And, you know, when I was talking to, to Leo and Jack, something that Jack said, yeah, I, of course, asked him, hey, what's it like playing for a Jim Leonard defense? And he said, you know, beyond him being a genius, and that's the word that he used that I think a lot of people would use around the country for how great that he approaches the game and the schemes that he has and where he puts players. Jack Sanborn said, it's fun. That's what it is. It's, it's fun every year, no matter what position you play, whether you're rushing the pass or whether you're clogging the middle, whether you're playing linebacker, whether you're a deep safety or you're playing man coverage on a corner, whatever it is, playing for Jim Leonard's fun. And when that's the case, you're always going to get players to not just come to your program, but commit to your program, right? And that's a big deal. Getting guys in, getting those higher recruits in, the way that Wisconsin can do there in that part of the country, that's one thing. But getting them to really invest and be the best they can be, something else that I made sure to note with both of those guys, Chanel and Sanborn, as I was talking about them, was that work ethic. That just, yeah, we come to work every single day. We push ourselves every day. We want to be the best every single day. And a big part of that comes from the culture that Leonard sets up there. And so beyond him being great on the whiteboard with the X's and O's and what he's doing along the defense schematically, he makes it a great environment for guys to play in. And so Wisconsin fans, uh, I, I, I hate to say it like this, but enjoy him while you still have him because it just seems like the ceiling uh, is so high for what Jim Leonard could be either at the college ranks or maybe even jump into the NFL eventually because when your players love to play with you, that's the endorsement that you need beyond just the X's and O stuff. Thinking about how, think about this. They had Dave Aranda before him. 
I mean, and Dave yeah. Aranda went to LSU, did some good things, part of a championship, and now is doing good things at Baylor. And then he's followed up by Jim Leonard, who, again, is probably going to end up being a head coach at some point. So really, Badger fans, we've been spoiled with a really good defense uh, for a pretty good amount of time. Having said that, this isn't a team filled with five-star players like Alabama or Georgia or anything of the sort. And uh, earlier on, I-, I talked to Greg Smith, who is a recruiting analyst for HaleVarsity.com, uh, covering Nebraska football, and we were talking about Nebraska, and he was talking about you know, recruiting-wise, they're right there with all the other teams uh, in the West, but seemingly they don't develop the players as much because they don't have the same results necessarily as, say, the Badgers do year to year, and that's been a problem in Nebraska for a while. When we talk about player development in college, how much of it is coaching? How much of it is about the character and the drive of the student? Oh, man, it's you know, it, I think that the percentages of what matters most there, whether it's, you know, the coaching or how much they feel at home or how self-motivated they are or natural talent level, like the percentage of what it is, it truly does differ from player to player. When you're talking about having 80, 90 kids in a co- on, a, on a football staff, that's unbelievable, right? I mean, it just for college coaches and college coordinators to be able to get the most out of some of these kids consistently as much as they do. And I do think that Wisconsin does a great job of that. I would say that they're one of the better football programs in the country because of how strong their brand is and how strong, you know, something that I talked with the guys in the interview, that family feel, that culture that you just know what you're committing to when you go to a place like Wisconsin. It's not like they're selling you one thing in the recruiting meetings and you get on campus and you find that it's something else. No, they're pretty, it sounds like what Paul Chris has going on there is pretty transparent. You know exactly what you're getting. And so you're getting the right kids. Now, is that always going to be the most talented? No. And I think that's just the reality of it, right? Especially with the college football playoff age, if some of these really high recruits, they say to themselves, hey, I want to play for a national championship consistently. I want to guarantee myself that I'm going to play for a national championship at some point in my three to four years that I'm at the university. They're going to look towards an Ohio State, an Alabama, a Georgia, a Clemson, something like that. So it's harder to get those kids in there. But some of the other kids, maybe maybe the kids that that's not their – maybe it's, I don't want to say their main goal because everybody wants that, but there are other things that they prioritize in recruiting – that's when brands and football programs like Wisconsin can really step in, be transparent, get guys to love everything about where they are so that when you push them on the field, when you push them on the whiteboard, when you get them in the strength and conditioning room, when you challenge them academically, all of these things, they're motivated. They're not surprised. They're motivated. That's what they want. And so there are so many things that go into recruiting when it comes to getting a kid to commit to your school and then getting the most out of them. College sports is just so difficult year in and year out because of that. But I think that Wisconsin does a really great job of presenting themselves, it sounds like, to recruits the way that they believe things should be done. And once kids get on campus, it's no BS and they're straight to work. And I think that's how, no matter whether you're getting a three-star kid, a four-star kid, a five-star kid, or even a no-star kid, you're going to get the most out of them when you handle recruiting that way. So then it's just about kind of stringing recruiting classes together, getting lucky one year and making a big run. Talking with Trevor Sikahema, check out his death row story on the Badgers linebackers at Pro Football Focus. Uh, again, follow him on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. Uh, one day we'll have to talk about why that's Tampa Bay Trey. Uh, but I, I, I want to know this, Trevor, this whole college football playoff thing it feels like Cincinnati's going to get screwed out of this deal uh, at the end of the day 
do you think they should be screwed out of this deal and being a part of that that those final four teams? Oh, this is a million dollar question, isn't it? You know, you got Cincinnati sitting there at number five, and so they're on the outside looking in. And I think the committee does that with purpose, right? Because you can sit here and and you can argue who's better between Oregon and Cincinnati, and you might even tell yourself that Cincinnati might be favored over Oregon. But there, Cincinnati sits at number five, and I think the reason is because the committee is looking for a reason to keep Cincinnati out. I, I think that they really do want to keep that group of five team out because, look, you know, I've had a lot of people talk to us here at Pro Football Focus, and I know there are a lot of people around the country talking about this, and they go, well, well since when is winning not enough? How is winning not enough? Cincinnati is taking care of the schedule yep. that has been put in front of them, including at Notre Dame. I hear them, but winning isn't enough. And that's really how it's been in college football, right? And that's going back to the BCS days. You don't just have to win. You've got to prove in how you win that you are one of the best teams in the country. And I think that that's where Cincinnati loses me. They have a lot of players, Kobe Bryant, Ahmad Garner, um, Sanders along the, uh, along the defensive line. Like there are so Ritter, of course, at quarterback, right? There are so many players that they have that could be NFL type players. And you look at their roster top to bottom, and you say, man, they got a lot of kids that are going to go to the league. They've got the talent. They're undefeated. What gives? Well, what gives is they have one of the more softer schedules in the country and they're barely squeaking by, right? Yep. The ball bounces once or twice, not their way in some of these games, and they're dropping some not great look games against some not great opponents. And so that's why I think you see the committee be hesitant about Cincinnati where they are right now. And even if Cincinnati runs the table, I still think they need a decent amount of help because especially if Wake Forest beats Clemson this weekend, I think Wake Forest got a chance to certainly win the ACC and they're going to be in the conversation. Oklahoma State now with Oklahoma out, they are in that conversation. Notre Dame is going to run a very easy schedule. So then there's a debate there against two teams that already played. And we've already seen the committee not be afraid to put Michigan over Michigan State just two weeks after they actually played and Michigan State beat them. So I just feel like everything that we've seen from the committee so far they're giving themselves a big door to leave Cincinnati out, even if they're undefeated. That's just crazy. Just crazy. Uh, Trevor Sigahama, Pro Football Focus. Follow him on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. Go check out his death row story on the nickname for the Badger linebackers at Pro Football Focus. Hey, man, thanks so much for coming on. I'm sure I will run you down again and get you on again. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Anytime. You bet you take care. There he is, Trevor Sigahema. On the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, if applying for a home renovation loan has you feeling anxious, breathe. And let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of banquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Coming up next, Don Wachillis. Journey House College Sports Show. Him and Dan Underberg do every Thursday night from 6 to 8. That would be tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll talk with him next here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Welcome back, Sparky's Midday Madness. How are you doing on this gloomy, overcast Thursday? I feel like I haven't seen a lot of the sun lately. Is that, have we seen a lot of the sun lately? Because I don't feel like I've seen a lot of the sun lately. Maybe it's just me. I feel like. Every day, seemingly, is like this. Maybe you get an hour or so of the sun if you're lucky. It's just just not been, I don't know, not not a big fan of the weather as of late. But yeah, we'll see. Now, snow. I mean, give me some snow. I'll be much happier. I can snow blow and shovel and build snowmen with the kids and have snowball fights. Now I'm happy. I'm good with that. But this in-between stuff, if, if it's going to be, you know, kind of 50s, 40s, whatever, at least give me the sun. Like, I... 
That's all I ask. Joining us now, the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. He can't control the weather either. He is Don uh, Lachillis uh, from the Journey House College Sports Show. How are you doing, Don? I'm good, Spark. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. Hanging in there. Uh, we had Greg Smith on earlier of uh, the recruiting house from HaleVarsity.com talking about Nebraska football. And we just had uh, uh, Trevor Sikahema from Pro Football Focus. And I asked him this question. I'm going to ask you the same thing. When, when Greg Smith was on, he talked about Recruiting numbers-wise, Nebraska's right there with Wisconsin and everybody else on that side of the Big Ten. Now, they're not there with Ohio State and Michigan, but they're with everybody on uh, on our side, Wisconsin, Iowa, and them. And said that simply they just don't get the player development uh, that, say, a Wisconsin does uh, year to year. And I asked Trevor Sigma when he was on, you know, what is that about, really? Is that about coaching and development? Is that about player and character and work ethic? Why does one program do so much better than another program when, based on the star system, they should be relatively the same? Yeah, Sparky, I was listening to that interview, and I know he was talking about, uh, depending upon the kid, so to speak, you know, what buttons do you have to push? And that's why I think so much of this goes to the coaching staff. Understanding the players that you've brought in, understanding the players that exist, creating the culture that is there as part of that program and knowing the kids who need a pat on the back and a hug and the other kids who need a kick in the backside in order to get the best out of them. Not everybody reacts the same way. And I think that's why Wisconsin has been so successful. They've done a great job of reading the players that they have and knowing whether they need a pat on the back or a kick in the rear end. You know, that's that's the one thing about, you know, this Badger coaching staff uh, over the course of time, especially since, you know, Paul Christ has been here. Yeah, coaches have come and gone off of that coaching staff, uh, but seemingly the teaching aspect of it uh, and kind of knowing the right time to play certain players seemingly has paid off. I mean, they really haven't been burned that often by the recruiting portal of somebody leaving and then having a huge career in college and that person started their career at Wisconsin and they missed out. Like, there haven't been many of them. No, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, there have been players that have left and have had, I will say, decent careers at other universities, but no one who's really left and then shined when you scratch your head, like, how come you couldn't make that work here at Wisconsin? They've done a great job of developing, and I think, to Paul Chris' credit, when guys leave, whatever happens, happens behind closed doors, and when he gets out in front of the press, as much as it can frustrate us within the press or as fans or whatever the case may be, on his responses, he never throws kids under the bus. And I think other students who come into this program begin to respect that because they know, in essence, what Paul Chris says. This is this is what it is, and this is what you're going to get from me, and I'm not going to turn my back on you and throw you under the bus. Now, there is, you know, if I have a criticism of Chris, sometimes it's just play play your freshman. If they're ready, just play them. Like, this, th- this whole thing with Braylon Allen is example A of what I'm talking about. Clearly, he was the best running back of these guys that they had, and he was mm-hmm. third string. And if Berger doesn't say... It doesn't pout uh, and eventually leave the program, then he's still not playing, even with Malusi getting hurt. I mean, it took one guy to leave the program, another guy to get hurt, to really give him a full run here to show everybody what he's got. And he's really young into playing the position on top of everything else. But because he's so big, he has ability to move left and right quickly uh, and then get away from guys and run over guys. 
clear it was clear as day the first time he was on the football field he was the best guy. Yeah, and I think sometimes it can be a curse too when your mindset is about player development. It's it's a hurdle because you have a certain way of viewing the world and sometimes to get around that is a bit of a challenge and you hate to say fortunately due to injuries and some of these other things that it kind of forced his hand, but in doing so, maybe then that changes his perception and his mindset moving forward when he has other freshmen, you know, that are entering the program like a Braylon Allen with that kind of talent. Talking with Donald Chills, catch uh, the Journey House College Sports Show coming up tonight. So looking forward to it, 6-8, to eight, him and Dan Underberg. Uh, the WEAC Awards uh, came out today, and Whitewater, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, Co-Coach of the Year. I mean, just absolutely dominating the awards. Well, and it shows uh, why they were so successful throughout the regular season. They were on every single game against every single opponent they faced. I think it's the 11th time, Sparky, in 16 years they've gone undefeated in the WEAC. Uh, they're number three in the country. Uh, you kind of figured when the awards were going to come out, what what took place was going to took place, and rightfully so. When we talk about Whitewater and that program, I mean, you just saw Leipold get a big win for Kansas over Texas. I was super jacked about that one. Uh, and then look at the yeah. job that Bullis has done following him. Is, is it, I mean, I feel like it's similar to Wisconsin, except at a higher level because they win champions on top, championships on top of it, which is different, obviously, from Wisconsin. Yeah, and it's, it goes back to, you know, you go down that coaching tree over the last, who knows, 30, 35 years, and the culture that's been set, and the next person that comes in as the head coach, it's in place. But then it also takes somebody with character and wisdom to keep that culture going. And Whitewater has done a magnificent job in replacing when coaches have, have decided to leave for bigger and better things. And that's the thing, too. They Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but they're using a lot of former players as well that, that know the Whitewater way, that know the kind of kids that they're looking for and so forth, that really kind of probably helps them out. And Wisconsin has done that uh, from time to time as well. Yeah, I... I you nailed it right on the head, Steve. I mean, they understand what the program is about, how they go about their business, and because they've been through it, they know how to pass that information down to these kids who are coming into the program, and it just keeps that, that cycle evolving year after year after year. Do we know anything about Greenville, Illinois, the Whitewater first opponent at noon at Perkins Stadium? Because I know that it's close to St. Louis. That's about the extent of my knowledge. Oh, and I think they've got like 7,000 people in Greenville, Illinois. That's the research I've done. Yeah, I, I think I think that's about as far as my research has gotten as well. I believe they finished year 82. Um, any team that wins the conference is going to be, uh, I will say, a formidable opponent. But right now, I think the first few rounds for Whitewater, I, I really expect Whitewater to dominate. And I would be absolutely shocked if Whitewater doesn't find themselves in at least the Final Four trying to buy for another ch- national championship. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Having said that, Badgers only got a couple of left. Are, are we assuming they beat Nebraska and Minnesota and end up in the Big Ten championship game against Ohio State? Boy, I sure got my fingers crossed because that would be a story and a half. And a couple of weeks ago when you had me on, we both kind of laughed like this would be the path for the Badgers to start out the way they did and find themselves uh, vying for the Big Ten Championship coming out of the West. Nebraska coming off of Scott Frost essentially like 
cutting ties with just about every major member of his coaching staff to save his hide after a bye now we'll see we'll see if it worked and i don't think it will i i just i think under scott frost it's been a huge disappointment it's been a major um catastrophe really if you're a cornhusker fan because you watch how many close games that they find ways to blunder and i put that on scott frost yeah, I agree with you. I also put on Scott Frost, and they just gave the man an extension, which blows my mind uh, that he was able to get an extension out of that deal, considering the fact that, yeah, they've played closer games, but they haven't been able to necessarily uh, win those games. Uh, they've been awful against good football teams uh, as well. And again, it goes back to relationships, right? I mean, if you have uh, right. relationships uh, with the athletic director, obviously you're going to get to stay longer and you're going to get be given more of a chance. Then they find a scapegoat and fire a bunch of assistant coaches. That part amazed me a little bit, and he was a bit callous when asked about, you know, for instance, was it difficult to let these guys go? And to paraphrase, it was kind of like, no, you got to do what you got to do. And these are guys that you brought with you from yep. your previous stint. Guys move, that move, the, with you move the families, the whole deal. Yep. Yes, guy, guys that, you know, like you said, you've got families, you've got kids in school, and in order to save your own hide, you went ahead and fired them as opposed to maybe standing up and trying to figure out what the next move might be without having to let everybody go. The next move would have been him moving. And he didn't want to move. Well, that's my guess. <laughs> that could very that, well that, be. That's right. my guess. Don with Chills, what do you got coming up on the Journey House College Sports Show tonight, 6 to 8 here on The Fan? Well, I might have a Tim Allen rant in the first segment Whoa. because I think the way the college football playoffs are headed, it's setting themselves up based on the verbiage that we hear from Barta every single week about how they put Michigan ahead of Michigan State. I'm I'm waiting now for georgia in the in the sec championship to beat alabama and they then to use a number of different excuses to put a two-loss alabama team in that final four and cincinnati will not go and then cincinnati would be out of it you know and then you might even have a battle between ohio state and oregon but i think this committee is trying everything possible to keep alabama in the playoff hunt as opposed to doing what they should be doing and looking at what's on the field, even though Barta says we're you know, not supposed to worry about what's on the field and just kind of look at statistics. What happens if Ohio State loses to Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship <laughs> game and then Alabama loses to Georgia? Then what are they going to do? Well, I, I still think Alabama is in. Regardless. What you could see, though, regardless. I just, I just have this, this feeling like they want Alabama in. Now, if Ohio State were to lose, then that might open the door for a Cincinnati. Cincinnati is going to need some work. And I know your previous guest was talking about Wake Forest. I don't think Wake Forest. Trevor Sikahama. Yeah, I don't think Wake Forest gets in here. Yeah. Right. Oklahoma State may have a chance the way they're playing as of late, but there's a couple of teams that going into their conference championships, if they lose, that's what Cincinnati needs to open that door for them to walk through. And again, as a program, you you get there and okay, let's say Georgia stomps you, fine. But it's about the money that you're going to get by getting there. That's that's what this is all about. It's about the the huge you know windfall of money the conference in Cincinnati gets if they get into that Final Four. That's what it's about more than even beating Georgia is in a one four matchup. 
Oh, I know. It is. And it's unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, it is the money that's driving these decisions. And so you've got ESPN, I'm sure, in somebody's ear saying, listen, we need ratings. We're the one footing the bill for this. And we need to find a way to get certain teams in so that we can get the ratings yep. that we need to help pay the bill. No doubt. Totally with you. Don with Chillis. What do you got coming up tonight? Well, besides, besides my rant, we're going to be looking, obviously, at this Badger-Nebraska uh, game coming up, and then we're going to preview the uh, the WEAC as they head in. we got lacrosse and Whitewater in the playoffs. And isn't it amazing that Division Two and Division Three can have a just playoff system, but we're sitting here arguing about how a committee is going to figure out to put four teams in at the Division One level. Yep. It's crazy. I agree with you. I'm with you. Don with Chillis tonight. <laughs> Journey on Scott Sports Show. Him and Dan Underberg, 6-8 to eight here on The Fan. Thank you so much. Sparky, thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. There he is. Don with Chillis on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Applying for a home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious. Breathe. The Great Midwest Bank helps you experience the state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Hey, no matter your favorite sport, the place to be for great food, fun, and playing your own favorite indoor games is Q Club of Wisconsin. Plenty of TVs to watch the games on while you play your favorite indoor games in their huge entertainment game room. Settle down on some awesome food from loaded burgers, wraps, wings, Plus, their Wednesday and Friday fish fries piled up <laughs> with all the extras. Visit their Facebook page or Q Club of WI.com for menu and weekend live entertainment updates. Q Club of Wisconsin, North Grandview Boulevard in Waukesha. Coming up next, Rami Makhlouf is here. We'll find out what's coming up on his show at 3, straight ahead here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Rami Makhlouf here, Dan Plucker, executive producer extraordinaire. Don't forget, coming up tomorrow, Pick and Save Football Friday. Chris Thomason, St. Paul Pioneer Press, will join us uh, tomorrow morning, 10.35. Ken Barkley, Lockie Lockerton on Twitter. Uh, you better, you bet. Part of BetQL and Odyssey. Uh, he was all over that Lions-Steelers game last week. All over it. Uh, well, he'll join us uh, at 11.35. 12.35, Rob Reichel. And then Fantasy Football Friday from 1 to 1.30 with Ian Harditz of Pro Football Focus. Get your tweets in at Big Show Network. Use that hashtag Big Fantasy. Hashtag Big Fantasy 1 to 1.30. Tomorrow we'll have him on. If you missed anything from today's Wendy's Big Show, go back and uh, check it out that way as well. All right, uh, Mr. Makaloff, what do you got coming up on your coming show? Coming up on the show today, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Yesterday I had... Uh... I had like an aha moment when I was I was just reading up on the Packers and the way that they've built this defense and how we've gotten to this point where they're top three in scoring and top three in, in yards. And I it's the most it's the most unusual path to where the, to how they've gotten here in terms of the players. And I just want to know now you're gonna say, Oh, you're being negative. Are you questioning if anything or anyone about this Packers defense is, is the real deal? I don't understand the question. Are you questioning if anything or anyone about this Packers defense is the real deal? So you're saying, do I think Kenny Clark is not as good as Kenny Clark? Not Kenny is? Clark, no. I'm not talking about Kenny Clark. I'm talking about some of the other guys up and down that depth chart. On Give the me an example. Side. Devondre Campbell. No, he's a, yeah. off the street. Russell Douglas was, he on, was, a stud. was was on a practice he was a, squad. Devondre five Campbell weeks ago. was a stud early in his career. I mean, briefly, um, and then kind of fell off. I think. It's all. It's a bunch to, of unlikely characters. I don't want to ruin the segment, but you're not going to ruin the segment. I think Joe Barry deserves a whole bunch of credit for all this. Mm, a kind of, ton of credit. That might be where this topic yeah, is going. He deserves a ton of credit. So that's my thought on it. All right.
Also, we'll uh, talk with Matthew Collar of Purple Insider. Your former teammate. Yes, sir. At yes, the score, sir. score north. Yes, sir. He'll be here at 345. He covers the Vikings, but dude just knows football inside and out, and it's always a good discussion. At 4 o'clock, I had an epiphany when it comes to the Bucks, but a good one, a good one. We'll get to that coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Comedian Pete Lee will be here at 430, and Will Salmon, Brewers uh, beat writer for The Athletic, will be here at 530. Pete who? Pete Lee. Pete Lee from Janesville. First uh, person to get a standing ovation on the Jimmy Fallon show. Look at you. Look at you knowing people. Did you know that? I did know that. Oh, good. I did know that. They sent me a bio. Oh, I went on the dude's website. Of every comic. I Googled him. I was like, all right. Yeah, who's Pete Wisconsin Lee? dude. So I looked. I was like, oh, he's from Janesville. Cool. And, and then I know you don't look in your email. But mm-hmm. so then when I sent out the, the, the sheet with all of our guests on it, mm-hmm. I put from Janesville, Wisconsin next oh, to, to his name. Oh, to the work email? Uh, the email that goes has the live liners on that you're supposed to do every day on the show. Sam puts those on the rundown, man. My producer's got my back. You really need to learn how to open your email. Because eventually, one of these days, you know what I'm going to do, Sam? One of these days, I'm going to be like, okay, every person that comes to me gets 20 bucks uh, tomorrow that reads this email. And I just want to see like how many people will show up to get their $20. You'll show, no. up, you'll show up to get your $20. Plucker will be there for his. Toby will probably show up. Bart will. That Bart, email is Bart such checks, a pain, dude. Bart definitely checks his email. So they'll all show up. I don't think Gary will come. I don't think Leroy will come. And I don't think you'll show up. I've been accused of not checking my email by our boss, too, Mitch Rosen. And it's not my... I check my email every... I check, like, my normal email every day. That's not the work email. It's just that one is... I have to go through so many checkpoints Uh, just to check an email, man. Come on, Rami. It's like, well aware. God, dude. It's it's, for all... It's it's such a chore. It's all the security things that we got going on so we don't get hacked for, like, the 10th millionth time ever. My people, you know, we we have issues with checkpoints, dude. You and Sam? No, my ancestors. You're my blaming people. it on your ancestors. <laughs> That's what you're doing? Just makes sense. It's not even remotely surprised. I'm just surprised. saying, man, it brings up bad memories. Yeah. Is all. Oh, that's, that's what that's it brings all, back up bad yeah, memories. Dude, bad ancestral memories. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Uh, so let me of, ask the you. The thought of checkpoints. Let me ask you uh, this mm-hmm. uh, about a topic we had today on yeah. our show. Do you think we're underestimating the Vikings coming up on Sunday? Mm, mm, no, I don't think so. It's not a great team. This division is not good, dude. It's horrible. It is. No, I don't think they're a very good football team. No, I don't either. And there's a lot of people that think we are, that that think, oh, no, that's going to be a closer game than you think, so forth. Maybe it will be. Maybe it will be a closer game than I think. I think my prediction was 27-20 today on the big show. I think Gary had him winning by three. You guys already doing your predictions? Yes. You, you want to have those for football Friday? Let me tell you what happens what on happens? football Friday. Oh. We forget mm. every Friday. So this way, if you forget Thursday, you get a second chance on Friday. So I did it's, it. It's like when you kick the field goal on third down, just in case Bye. anything. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. We haven't made predictions in like a month on our show. It's been at least a month. That's crazy. At least. That's crazy. Gary puts his out on Twitter before the game on Sundays. Sure. Uh, uh, and his Twitter account. But mm-hmm. yeah, actually making the predictions on the air. No, we have not made predictions dropping, on the air. Dropping the ball. For, uh, this Vikings team, they, they, have some, they have some guys that can... Like they have some quick strike ability between Justin Jefferson and Thielen and Dalvin Cook, so you let them you let them get like two or three big plays, and and they might be in a game against the Packers. But all in all, they're not a great. Stop fo- Dalvin not, Cook. They're not the a game. great football team. Stop Justin Cook Jefferson. Win the is a game. Dangerous man, dude. Well, last week before the game, or last week heading into that game, 
uh, word on the street is they told Cousins to start getting the ball to Jefferson more and almost borderline force it to Jefferson if they have to, yeah. to get him going. Yeah, kind of like Rodgers like does that. with Devontae a little yeah. bit, right? Did you read um, Devontae Adams' so, quotes on, on Justin Jefferson? I read them on Zach Stacy. Uh, I didn't see him on Justin Jefferson. He said he's like a fifth or a sixth year receiver in terms of the speed that he plays with. He said he said he didn't play with the speed that Justin Jefferson played with in his rookie year to like his fourth year in the NFL. Could have should have been a Packer. Could have been a Packer. Yeah. That was also in that article. They had real interest in him. Matt Lafleur was checking him out personally. As, as I've said before, mm-hmm. and I'll say again. Yeah. If you wanted him, you could have had him. But they wanted to plan for the future. So if you wanted, no, 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 no. The story goes they wanted wide receivers, but nobody got to them. They were trying to trade up, and they couldn't get any trades done to get up to get a receiver. And then their Jordan Love was within striking distance, and that's why they went and got Jordan Love. That's their story on their side of the, uh, of the docket. And I'm here to tell you, if you wanted to move up, you could have moved up. See Mike Ditka. Gave up a damn draft to get one player. If you want somebody bad enough, you can get yeah, whoever you want in a draft. That didn't work out for Ditka, though. Well, maybe. But I mean, that's my point is you can get anybody you want if you want to get them. Sure. I mean, look at that goofy Trubisky trade the Bears did to move up one pick. You don't have to remind me of that. But, I mean, it, was, it was one pick, and they gave up Speaking a handful of, of picks. I don't need that in my Atlanta life. Atlanta Falcons, when they moved up to get Julio Jones, mm-hmm. they gave up a boatload of picks sure. to move up there to get him because that's what they wanted. Yeah. You imagine Jefferson and Devontae Adams That'd on the be same a team? combo, man. Oh, with Aaron Rodgers throwing the football? Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. That'd but really we got good. Jordan Love for the future. Robbie Bagloff, The Robbie Show, comes up next. Have a good one. Toodles. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.